0: Hello and welcome to New Time Religion, a podcast featuring Dr. Andy Root with me, Derek Tronsgaard. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to give a few quick shout-outs. First, we're really excited to announce that Andy's new book, The End of Youth Ministry, with a question mark on the end, is coming out March 17th, 2020, St. Patty's Day 2020. Get that book. It's wonderful. You're really going to enjoy it. Secondly, we wanted to say a huge thank you to everybody who's been calling in and leaving messages on our mailbag hotline. If you haven't called in yet, the number is 651 651- Eight hundred ten eighty nine. 1089 That's 651 800 You can call in, leave a question, and as a thank you, we'll get in touch with you and give you one of Andy's books for free. Just make sure you leave us an email and a name at the end of your message so we can get a hold of you. Actually, a few of our episodes coming up in the next few weeks are from listener questions, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you haven't called in yet, why haven't you called in yet? Call in, leave a question, get a book. It's that easy. Finally, there is a great opportunity coming for you this summer, June 21st through the 25th. Andy is teaching a Bonhoeffer class in Germany. This class is actually in Bonhoeffer's home. It's been left exactly as it was when he lived there. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go to Germany with fellow students who will probably become your new best friends. Get taught by Andy in Bonhoeffer's home. It's experiential learning at its finest. What an awesome opportunity. Check out the show notes for more information there. So today's episode actually started with a question about Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor who was imprisoned and executed by the Nazis for speaking out against their regime. And in the letters that Bonhoeffer wrote friends from prison, he spoke of this future Christianity that was, as he put it, religionless. And so I asked Andy, what did Bonhoeffer mean by religionless Christianity? And our conversation took this fascinating twist and turn down a rabbit hole of a story that actually ended up being more about another theologian, Karl Barth, than it really was about Bonhoeffer. But we got into his experiences of how God breaks into this disenchanted and secular world and what that means for the church today. I loved this conversation that I got to have with Andy, and I hope you will too. So without further ado, here is today's episode.
1: I mean, this is something we should talk about in the podcast because there's just there's some interesting things that others have uncovered about the early Bart that I'm I'm really starting to think about and want to connect with like Rosa and stuff like that. But um, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll we'll save it for another time. But just to, to give you a kind of sense of this, like Bart becomes a pastor in you know, the, er, in the early early 20th century in, in Safe involved, and then becomes a part of the socialist movement there mm-hmm. and the swiss socialist movement was really distinctly committed to the christian faith like their commitment to socialism was because of their commitment to christianity
0: it wasn't like an e- economic philosophy or they weren't like it, it was more of a, of a moral take on it
1: yeah um they thought or ethical take there were some of the some of the folks in the group who thought that this was a real moving forward of the kingdom of God. So anyhow, Bart ends up in this, ends up connected. And there was these, there were these famous pastors, father and sons named um, the Blumharts. Okay. And Johannes Blumhart in like what? I don't know. 1870s. I think 1880s, something like that had been a pastor of this church and then had and this sounds really weird but then had this woman in his church who became demon possessed okay and he was skeptical of it at first but then realized like that she was really possessed and so this revived the christian commitment of everyone in his in his village and it was very like hollywood before hollywood
0: i was going to say that sounds like a rad like Horror movie,
1: and it was this pietist movement. I guess your face is just like this is wild. Yeah, it's yeah. totally wild, right? Yeah. And so, basically, then what happens is, and he has so that he has this whole healing ministry, and then he moves to this like spa, and it's like basically like a retreat center, and people come from around Europe and get prayed for. So, is it
0: almost kind of like a European version of like Azusa
1: Street? Yeah. Well, yes. There's been books that have tried to connect this because uh, the Bloomharts kind of inspired this kind of Azusa and Street Azusa kind Street of was stuff.
0: sort of what kicked off the Pentecostalism. Yes, in, in, in North America. Yeah. And there was and, healing and, globally. and and faith And, th- and that was like and, early
1: yeah. early 20th century. So this right. is like 20 30 years before. It, okay. And, and some of these people were. And this guy's a Lutheran. Yeah. Okay. He's like a Pietist Lutheran. Yep. Yep. So then he has a son named Christoph Bloomhart, um, and he. He's at, at at Bart's. He's older than Bart, but but he's a contemporary. He's alive when okay. Bart, Bart's alive. So Bart goes and sees him is his, his uh, brother gets married um, in Marburg, and they go through and they stay at this place called Badbol, which is this spot. And he meets uh, Christoph Blumhardt, and he's heard, of course, of Johann and his father. I mean, these are all, which is really a fascinating thing to think about. These are all. The, the, that whole theological movement our sons like the especially the Swiss are sons of conservative pastors that end up in really liberal institutions that then find their way back to the middle and mm-hmm. you know and so what what amazes Bart is he he, he wants to meet with um who's called the younger uh, Christoph Blumhardt because he's now become involved in the socialist movement and he's involved in it because he sees this he realizes that his father had taught him that you have to oppose the principalities.
0: Bloomhart was in the socialist movement? Yeah, the younger. Okay, and Bart was in it too.
1: And Bart was in it too. Okay. So they got connected through that. Got it. And um, the younger uh, Bloomhart was in it because he realized from his father that you had to oppose the principalities. Mm hmm. But that the principalities weren't just like demonic psychological principalities, but also like cultural ones, like poverty and and um, oppression. The bourgeoisie, <laughs> yeah, yes, and in certain ways that economic structures were yeah. like, like that. Now he became disgruntled with it, uh-huh. and in some ways, so did Bart, because um, what what Bloomhart realized is that socialism became kind of um, a movement without a god. But Bart goes and talks to him. And Christoph Blumhart really thinks religion has kind of corrupted things and that we need to get back to the encounter with the living Jesus Christ.
0: When he says religion, though, I mean, is he talking about sort of the state religion yes. that was he's dominating Europe about, at the he's time? He's talking about a state church, yeah. But
1: he's talking about like this—the over bureaucratic structures, the ordination processes, all these things that we live with. Just the the, re- the religious institutional structures that he says we have to get back to the living Jesus Christ. So Bart goes and talks to him and is inspired by him and has been inspired by distance. But the thing he just goes away and he and is recorded by his bi- biographers that he says the thing about Christoph Blumhart is that he always begins with God and he always ends with God and God is always God. And then he writes his 1919 revolutionary commentary basically inspired from Blumhart that God is God. And what would it mean to start all over again with a holy other God who God is God.
0: And, and that's the whole idea of Bart. Like God is the other and God. Yeah. Yes. That,
1: well, that God can't be captured by any by any system, yep. political or really—and this gets back to our echo of Bonhoeffer's religion this Christianity—back to any religious system. Mm-hmm. Any religious system cannot cage God. God stands wholly other. God judges it. God breaks it open that nothing can capture God because God is God, and we have to remember that God is God. And he thought that all of these elite churchmen and all of these theologians had essentially turned God into their own voice. Mm-hmm and that's what justified the war. And and Blumart was one of the only people against the spirit of 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 um, August and and this the movement into into World War I. And of course Barth was as well, which is one of the reasons he, he, he writes this whole thing. So what's fascinating about that is that Barth's often been called then this like heavy dogmatic theologian who's yep. more concerned about dogmatics. But my take is that actually these Bloomarts are so central to Barth. And it, it shows up all over his work. And for Barth I think Barth really is a theologian of the secular age because I think Barth is trying to find a way in a time where the living act of God has been extinguished by religion. And encounter with the living God has been replaced by philosophizing of God. He's trying to imagine, even inside a modern world, how God still acts and moves. God still speaks. And his empirical verification that God still speaks is Johann Blumhardt, that experience. And his language he uses that is his breakthrough is Christoph Blumhardt's the sense that Jesus Christ still lives, Jesus Christ still acts. And to me, that be, there's something about that. I mean, this was happening in the early 20th century, but there's something here now in the early 21st century that we need to recover. And if, like in our other podcasts, if the church is just about acceleration and it's just about building things up and just about growth, we do become captivated just by kind of managing religious structures. But I wonder what it would mean to have a certain ecclesiology, a certain practical ecclesiology, that started with God again and continued to reflect even in our practices that God is God. And I do think there's a sense of how we talked about resonance earlier, that to think of resonance as a kind of encounter with the world and an encounter with the living God in the world that gives us a whole different disposition of what church is And what the church is for um, and that the church is really again for Encounter of the living God even in a Secular age even inside the imminent frame because I think this is I think all of Bart's theology In some ways is a response to the presumptions of the imminent frame That God can no longer speak that God can no longer act. So all we're left with is religion
0: Because religion is tangible, right? Yeah. You can you can go to a church you can see a church. There's a structure. You can you can you articulate m- its history. Yes.
1: You can you can write the history of the Christian religion, like one of his teachers, um, Adolf von Harnock, did.
0: Yep. Yeah. But but the hard thing is that God, like Bart would say, is beyond description. God is beyond measuring. There's literally no box you can put God in, but that's that's, hard.
1: Which is how Bart starts his his dogmatics, is that theology is the impossible science. Because the very object of which theology is supposed to know something about, it cannot know. So it becomes a really fascinating discipline because you need to say something about that which you can't say anything about. But Bart's point is there is something you can talk about. You can talk about a God who encounters you. Mm -hmm. A God who shows up a God who arrives speaking.
0: And that's why he's huge on Revelation. And
1: that's why Revelation is the whole thing. But how, I mean, that also seems like, okay, that's a really great dogmatic idea, but eh, Revelation, and this is why I think the Hearts are so important, because for both of them at Bad Ball, at their, their, their church with the demonic woman, God shows up, mm-hmm. even inside of modernity, even in a world where God shouldn't be found. Even around the same time that Nietzsche is saying God is dead and bourgeois European society has killed God, still God arrives, still God shows up. And um, I guess, you know, the challenge for pastors and other church professionals is does God still show up?
0: and I just heard this story for the first time today, but the Bloomhearts whole thing started with that demon-possessed woman, right? And we've sort of talked about how in the disenchanted world, and I'm assuming it was disenchanted then, maybe not to the same extent. starting to
1: move in that direction. But it was moving sure. in
0: that direction. If that's the event that started the Bloomhearts that went to Bart, right? Yep. How can somebody who is fully, and I would count myself as this because I'm skeptical of that kind of yep. stuff, you know? how can somebody who is fully living in a disenchanted world get to revelation without yeah. having to lean back on enchantment? Does that, does that, yeah you that see makes what I'm sense. saying? Okay.
1: Yeah. And, and this, I think is is, um, honors Taylor's perspective too, is that a full, it is an illusion to live in a fully disenchanted world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep, yep, yep. um, uh, there's just no, there's no such thing. Yes, and so few people don't and would even admit to you that they that they don't. And right, that we shouldn't want to. Right, who wants to inherit that kind of yes. world? It's a completely disenchanted yeah. world. It is really very true, and maybe this is the pushback to the religionless Christianity thing. That our institutional structures, especially when they're dynamically stabilized function in completely fully disenchanted ways. But the persons who act and make meaning and seek for life that even live inside those institutions do not live in a fully closed, yes. disenchanted realm. Yes, They still want something more. I mean, yep. even just the continued discourse we have about romantic love
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the way pop songs talk about that tips its hat towards some kind of sense of something eccentric that moves you out of yourself that's bigger than you. You know what I mean? So so there's no way to do that. So, um, yeah, it, but it does become a question of how open is your open take? And I just think that this is a big challenge. I think part of the problem with, part of the risk of being a pastor in this age is you become more closed spin. You become more closed than a lot of people in your congregation.
0: Oh, yeah. I'll always, you know, have people come up and they'll be like, "Look at this article that I just read about like angels and like this yeah. this kid died and like went to heaven for 10 minutes and then came back. Like isn't that awesome?" And right, I'm right, just right. like, "Yeah, that's great." Like, you know, right, but, right, right. but but you're right cuz I'm total skeptic guy. Yeah,
1: you're you're skeptic cuz you're 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 in the world. And yeah. and there's a part of a like a, a hidden text that we we fear that well, I mean the truth is that the same thing happened with the bloomarts. So that um you know they there they're like these the elder is like such a, a major touchstone for pietism. Yep. And then the younger, this is my own experience actually, growing up in a Lutheran pietist kind of ethos, and then going to college at a, like a hub of Baptist pietism. So getting double dose pietism by the end of my time at, in at this, at this pietist Christian college, like I was done with pietism, like all the, all the um, the inherent at times, well, I won't say inherent, risky kind of leanings towards duplicity or towards overstatement or overemotionalism. Um, those get those get raw. Those get tough. And and Christoph had those where he became sickened with people chasing down demons, looking for demons, um, taking his father's experience and trying to make it some kind of formulaic thing and there was another like um, i don't remember his name off the top of my head but there's another kind of german thinker who was going around casting out demons at this time mm-hmm. and bart has no patience for him mm-hmm. so it's it's really interesting how he thinks bloomhart the elders like that's a sign god yeah. still acts where the yep. other guy who's going around and like casting out demons oh that's a bunch of bullshit like, like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He's like, that's <laughs> yeah. bs man yeah. that is, that's that's not true so um so there's always these these dangers with it. But those of us who grew up in kind of pietist communities have the danger of becoming very cynical. Mm -hmm. Part of the risk then is you lose you lose the scaffolding or the imaginative, um, the imaginative capacity for revelation itself. Yep. And if you lose—okay, I okay, this is my big bias. As a Protestant, if you lose the possibility of revelation, mm-hmm. you lose everything. Yep. Because maybe that's not true if you're Catholic. You still have these practices. You still have yes. the sacraments. You still have— the church,
0: With you still have c. Rome, right? You know, you still have these things. But Martin Luther says, "I'm the church," right? It's the priesthood of all believers, all that kind of stuff. So, if-
1: yeah, well, the communion and even the way Bart will talk about the church, it's always the c- gathered congregation. Yeah. And so, if the living Jesus Christ doesn't show up in this community ever, you got nothing. Yeah. But, religion, right? So Bonhoeffer's point from prison is that shell of religion. After this is all known, it will be gone. Mm -hmm. So the only thing we're gonna have are communities that gather and Encounter the living Jesus Christ and have some imagination in fear and doubt in hope and belief of Revelation itself that will that will be all we'll have Um, but he says we have to be careful with that too Because we can also get a positivism of Revelation which we turn into a religion which is he says in this very cutting line again to a friend a cutting line to Barts There's a problem with Bart's theology this is it is a positivism of revelation it's basically um, you find revelation or you got nothing and Bonhoeffer now knows that we're gonna have to struggle with this more and that you know on the other side of this war, Even our experiences of this will have to come under doubt and I and 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 continue discernment And I think that becomes a real task of being a pastor. How do you discern these things? Mm -hmm. How do you not shut them down but be open to them? Are you brave enough to do that? And do you think Jesus Christ lives? Because if Jesus Christ doesn't live and is just a symbol of some religious form What's the point man, Yep. Um, you know yoga will be better Mindfulness practice is more helpful. Therapists Um, get paid more. Therapists get paid way more and actually in certain ways maybe more helpful on certain things. But if there's a beckoning living Jesus Christ that speaks, that calls us into the world, that might be uh, something to consider.
0: New Time Religion is a podcast featuring Dr. Andrew Root, which is produced by me, Derek Tronsgaard. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes and tell a friend or two about our show. You can find more of Andy's books on his website, andrewroot.org, and you can order them on Amazon. His most recent series focuses on Charles Taylor's work in the secular age, and his new book, The Pastor in a Secular Age, is out now. New Time Religion is a production of the Alter Guild Podcast Network, and you can check them out at alterguild.org for more great shows. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time for another round of New Time Religion.